a little early. This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning. You're listening to the Mac and Jack Sports Show on Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to This Week in Sports with Mac Jack and Jim Jeff Cody. He's out of the country today, so he won't be on with us until uh, we get our guests on. So, Jack, uh, I'm your host, Mac, and that's your host, co-host, Jack Hirsch. Um, yesterday, the Kentucky Derby, Jack, uh, we uh, we had our guest on, Jason Gonzalez, on Saturday to talk a little bit about the Derby. Um uh, there was a little-known horse when we had his fourth race as a horse, uh, Mayjay. He wins the wins the Derby. Uh, of course, our expert, and I guess it's hard to pick really who's going to win and who's going to show and all that stuff uh, because you know the odds are the odds are different on every horse, and and you got your favorites and you got your underdogs. Mayjay came out of nowhere to win it. Uh, Gonzalez predicted that you know his favorite would be king's barn and king's barn finished 14th his uh his upset special if you were going to take a long shot uh was out of gate 17 a little uh difficult to pronounce if i give it my best shot demo soda gake comes in six so that's Jack, not bad prediction for long shot max no, 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 it's not a bad prediction yeah i mean he, he almost uh three more horses he would he would have showed um or placed so nice. in the his, history of the derby the horse in gate 17 has not won in 149 years jack so uh the Mayjay's owner got a million dollars we were talking about the the way it's set up as far as payouts go a little unfair to the to the jockeys you know, how much money they get for riding those horses. But uh, overall, Jack, you said you watched it. How was it? Yeah, uh, two fills was leading most of the race. And I tried to sometimes compare this to a human race. The Kentucky Derby's a mile and a quarter. And I like to compare in a sense, like I just said a moment ago, to the mile race in track and field of the 1,500 meters, which is uh, – very close to a mile. And whenever a runner takes the lead, and in this case, a horse, two fills fairly early in the race, what are the chances of them holding the lead the whole way through? We hear the term wire to wire. That means from the beginning of the race to the end of the race. But that's the hardest way to win a race because you're in the front, you're expending all this energy and you can't, you don't have anyone else pacing you. You don't have anyone else to play off of, to bounce off of, to race beside, you know, who's going to help set the pace. You're setting the pace for the rest of the field. And the other runners, and in this case, the horses who are behind the, behind Mage with their jockeys, they can focus on the lead horse, okay? And they can wait for the right time to make their move. And the horse in the lead doesn't see what the horses are doing behind them. The jockey doesn't see. So what happened, Mage was kind of laying in wait, staying a little behind. And during the last quarter mile, a little inside the last quarter mile, 
of the race, made a move, went to the front. Two fills tried desperately to keep up and credit the two fills for holding on and coming in, you know, second place. Normally when a horse leads like that most of the race and then gets overtaken, you see the jockey of two fills frantically, you know, with the whip and so on, trying to get the horse moving to keep up. And it has, it has to be really discouraging, Mac. You're leading most of the race, and you can kind of sense in a way, I might win the Kentucky Derby a little more, a little more. Let me push it out like you're so close. And then you have Mage kind of overtake you in the late stage of the race uh, to win it. But it, it was a very competitive race, a very good, good race. Yeah, good morning, Rick. Yeah, we were talking about this, uh, uh, Jason – uh, picked a couple of horses that didn't do well, especially King's Barn. Uh, you know, uh, the Gate 17 horse, again, I'm going to try and pronounce this right, Demisota Gake uh, came in six. So that wasn't a bad prediction. I mean, he was he was up near the front. So, uh, again, Gate 40, Gate 17 hasn't produced a winner uh, in 149 years. Pretty. You do think going forward – it's going to be a thing with superstition. Whoever's assigned to gate 17. Do they have, you know what we didn't ask Jason Gonzalez, do the jockeys and owners have any say what gate they can be put in? Can they argue? Is there like a commission they could appeal to? You know, let's say you get a very suspicious owner and jockey and they don't want to be in gate 17, no matter what, because as you said, Mac, it's, it hasn't won in the history of the Derby gate 17, uh, to be taken out of the gate. Me personally, I want to be in gate 17. I want the chance to make history, to do yeah. something no one else ever did before, you know, win from a certain gate because it would gather a lot more attention and just add to the victory if you got it. I don't think they have a choice. I think it's based off the performance of the horses in past races or you know the newer horses versus the the horses that are there. There were there were quite a few scratches uh, yesterday of horses uh, not running that might have threw a, a wrench into who won and who didn't win too. So I mean, there's a lot more to racing than than I realize anyway. Um, you know, including the jockeys who don't make as much as we thought they would they made. It goes starts at ten percent, and from there, where the horse places, it goes down. And I think. Um, what the producer told me or told us was that only the top five actually get paid, Jack. Yeah, I, I don't know. They probably have a deal with the horse's owner where they get a certain salary. I mean, they have to make a living throughout the year, so I'm sure something has worked out. Another fascinating part of any major horse race, any horse race altogether is the start of the race because very early in this race in the Kentucky Derby, a couple of the favorites were far behind right off the bat. And I know there was time to make up the gap, but I don't think you want to fall too far behind in the beginning. You know, you, they were in the back of the field. They weren't in the greatest position. And you notice when they get the horse into these at the start, when they get them into what do you call it? Not a stable Mac. Uh, uh, the, you, know, the, you know what I mean? For the start of the race, they start the race immediately. 
Because right. the horse is too antsy. You can't wait. It's not like a human being waiting at the start of the line, waiting for the official start before they take off. They, they quickly push the horse in practically into that little box, and then they start the race immediately. And you wonder whether the horse is ready and whether the jockey's even ready because he's thinking, I got to calm this horse down. I got to get this horse ready. And before he knows it, the race is on the way. Good morning, Keith. How are you doing? As you can hear, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Keith Engel from TGI Sports will be on a little bit after or even during our show. Uh, Keith, we're talking about the Kentucky Derby. I don't know if you watched it or not, if you're a big uh, uh, a race fan. Uh, I do like the races, yes. Yes, and Majay uh, surprised everyone in their fourth, you know, in only his fourth race, he wins the Derby over some of the favorites. And, uh, you know, this is uh, quite a feat. I mean, to win a Derby after only racing three other times is almost unheard of. No, it is great. Very rare do you get that. You do get a lot of upsets in these races, uh, more than you think. And I thought it was nice because uh, Javier Castellano um, is a Hall of Fame jockey and had never won before either. So I thought that yeah. was a kind of a nice story as well. And kind of a tough week in in, uh, in Kentucky with horses uh, expiring, if you will, for a lot of different reasons. So Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I get into that, not to not – to, I guess just a touch on that because I've got some friends that are really like <laughs> big on the, 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 you know, how animals are treated and whatnot and, and that horse races are mistreated. And I don't agree with them because these horses, they're bred to run and that's what they want to do. They want to run. And I understand it's a dangerous game, but you know that's what they want to do. You wouldn't be doing them a favor by putting them in a stall or, or just out to pasture. They want to run. Right. So. Just before we get, we'll get to look at the Knicks and the Patriots and that. But one more thing on this, you know, we, our expert yesterday, Jason Gonzalez, commented on this, and it's very true. These horses are right next to each other. One mistake, yeah. you know, one 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 bad thing, and and could wipe out the horse and the jockey and and so on. So these these guys are very very, um, they're very, I I don't know what the word I'm trying to say here, but man, they really know how to ride these horses. They do, and I don't know if people really consider jockey jockeys athletes, but I think they're tremendous athletes. They're able to control these powerful yeah. animals, and they're small guys, but they got to work out, and they got to be strong. Their hands and arms got to be strong, and they're especially their hands. Um, so I think they're tremendous athletes. I agree, and it's a dangerous. I mean, you know, not every race is like the Derby, where it's you know, uh, <laughs> just a. Uh, I'm trying to think of the. Uh, I had a, a phrase in my head. I can't think of it now because it's just a. a a cavalry charge out of that gate with 20 yeah. times 20 plus horses, 18 yesterday. Right. You don't see that in every race, but that's, it's very dangerous. As you said, these things, guys are moving along pretty quick in close quarters and these animals can be unpredictable for sure. That's a, that's, you know, they, they, there's always an argument. What are race car drivers really athletes? And I guess you could compare them to jockeys where you got this big powerful thing underneath you and you've got to control it. Uh, in tight turns and, and you know, and, and traffic. Yeah. well, I, I, yes, the debate about auto racers goes on. I think, I think they are to be able to sit there and control that vehicle for three and a half hours or four hours. And uh, listen, I don't know if they got bladder buddies or what, but I can't go uh, 25 miles without going to the bathroom, much less, yeah. you know, 250. Yeah. It's a young man. It's a young man's game. Keith. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's get, let's get to the Knicks. I was very disappointed, as I told Jack before the yeah. show. 
They didn't even show up for this uh, uh, this game. Uh, Randall, of course, is still hurt. He didn't play well. Uh, the Knicks, the rest of the Knicks, uh, didn't pick up the slack uh, like they have during the year. Uh, I'm not panicking, but Miami sure put it on the Knicks last night. Yeah, I think the thing that disturbed me the most was uh, what I perceived as a lack of fight from this team. They just didn't. I mean, they they got off poorly. They just didn't seem to be. Um, they didn't have fight. I don't know how else to describe it. And I don't want. To, I don't like the word quit. I don't think they quit because I don't think they ever started. <laughs> you know, it's not like they got punched in the face and and they kind of just let it. You know, let it slide. Like Mike Tyson, yeah. what's Mike Tyson say, uh, Jack? What's his famous saying there? Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which, you know, in the case of Brunson, Keith, he's had a great year for the Knicks. Yep. But in reality, Brunson isn't the type of player who's going to carry a team for a given game, yeah, for a given couple of games. But you can't count on him to carry a team during a series, because he's not a superstar. He's not a, you know, a Giannis, a Steph Curry, an Embiid, a LeBron, an Anthony Davis, or whoever. He's just a heck of a good player, very good player. He's been a great leader. He'd be a great number two. I think Julius Randle is hurt a lot more than we're being told. That's my impression. This isn't the same Julius Randle early in the year. And I don't think it was because of a lack of effort. I just think physically he wasn't there. Ironically, R.J. Barrett showed a lot of fight yesterday. Something about he was the guy who was trying to step up and lead. But R.J. Barrett at the end of the day really isn't the type of guy who's going to take a game over. No, I think I don't think this team can win um, consistently without, you know, uh, Julius Randle at at least 80. He doesn't even look at 80% to me. I mean, he's out there battling through this injury, but which, and I'll give him credit for that, but you know, he's not certainly even close to the player we saw earlier in the year, as you said. And, and the Knicks can't win without him. They're not good enough. This is a, you know, they're playing good basketball. They have played good basketball the second half of the season. And, you know, up to this point, they've played a couple bad games in this series. But it's still a flawed team. So they need to be, everything needs, it's got to be a perfect storm for them to be able to continue this run. And you just can't take nights off. And you've seen it now twice in this series where they really have not gotten off the mat at all. You know what really? You know what really, really bothers me, too, is Josh Hart. I mean, he's been playing so well. Um, I was hoping that they would put him on, uh, you know, on uh, Butler. And it's for some reason, they still haven't. He's a heck of a defender, and, and, and he can stay with Butler. And I don't know why Thibodeau is not putting him on him, Keith. I don't either. I mean, maybe he figured Butler wasn't going to be a, a much of a factor because of his, his own injury. But, you know, he played pretty well yesterday, I thought. Um, considering his injury as well and different people can play better. And I don't know, you can't compare injuries. I mean, I think they're similar uh, injuries, but severity is, uh, and everybody plays different with, with pain. Um, so he, he stepped up very well. I thought he was probably an inspiration for the, for the uh, heat as well. So the Knicks really got their backs to the wall. Now they've got to win uh, game four in my mind to, to have a chance in this series. Keith, I'm the coach. Tell me why I shouldn't do this. And this is a gutsy move that I'm going to do, tell you right now. Mm-hmm. If Randall is as hurt as we think he is, I can't worry about Randall's feelings. I mean, not, not big time. You've got to win game four. 
I step up with Obi Toppin. This is his time. I sit him down. You're starting. This is your game. Yeah. You play like an all-star. You're getting a lot of minutes, Obi. I want you to be a star in this game. It's time. He's been with the Knicks a while. I think Obi Toppin would be up to it for a given game. I could see Obi Toppin them playing him and him coming through with 35 points, a lot of rebounds, and having a big-time game. They need that type of spark for game four rather than cut out an injured Randall and lose game four and go down 3-1. Yeah, I was a little surprised he didn't play Toppin more here, especially as this game started to get out of hand, because Toppin's had some big games uh, late in the season and in the playoffs even. Um, and Thibodeau has gotten away from that sticking with his guys thing that he likes to do. And Randall sat out the fourth quarter of one of the Cleveland games. You know, he sat out games where he probably wanted to play and, um, but Thibodeau's got to – he can't get away from that now. He's got to – like you said, I, I would have given uh, uh, Obi some more time definitely because – and, and Another thing, guys, we've had a lot of fun on this show talking about contracts and different sports. We had a lot of fun with the judge contract, this contract, that contract. What about the Emmanuel Quickly contract? What a dilemma that the Knicks have at the end of the year. Let's say he doesn't step up the rest of the playoffs. Do you sign them? Do you lay out some big money or you don't? I think it's going to depend on what other moves the Knicks make because there's some talk about uh, uh, Giannis maybe uh, finding his way to New York if you read the New York papers. Uh, Not happy in Milwaukee. And if you're going to bring in that type of contract, then you're going to have to cut somewhere else. And, you know, I'll make that trade every day, by the way. I love quickly. I'll give him the rest of the Knicks team if Giannis comes in. <laughs> you take everyone and I'll build around Giannis. I'll start off. I, yeah, you probably would. You probably might have to. But, yeah. you know, look, that's probably a pipe dream. But Oh, it know. is. It is. Giannis ain't going nowhere. He loves Milwaukee. Um, Yankees uh, beat Tampa Bay 3-2. Uh, to two. Um, not a bad pitching outing, uh, and and you know our center fielder as a batter comes through with a uh, with a Harrison Bader. Bader, yeah, yep. batter sounds cooler. Uh, <laughs> Bader comes through with it with a big hit, uh, but still the Yankees are, have a lot of problems, and uh, I don't know if they're going to be able to solve them before the year's out, Keith. There's, there's just so many different issues, right? I mean, there's the issues with the injuries. There's the issues with uh, – why am I so uh, – oh, I know what I did. Hang on one second. Okay. But, I got – yeah, go ahead. Then, I got a little – An interesting thing happened in the Yankee game yesterday that slipped under the radar – Clay Holmes, who'd been the closer, they were projecting as the closer this year, but who struggled in that role, he came in the middle relief. I mean, yeah. he didn't close the game out yesterday, so that's kind of a little interesting. Yeah, well, you know, he hasn't pitched consistently um, all year. And, and getting back to what I was saying before, sorry, I had a little problem with my feet there. I don't know what's going on. I moved my office to the basement as we're getting ready to sell this house, and there's a lot of work getting done around. Um the t- the, there's so many issues going on between injuries and and uh, guys not playing well and look at I said before the starting staff was you know an, an issue and it's been just been too many starts by guys like Brito and even though I like Clark Schmidt he hasn't pitched well there's I mean these guys have a lot of starts between them Herman's pitched well the last couple of times but you know they got 20 plus starts between those three guys that's not a good sign for this Yankee team and now big you know. 
I hate to say there's a big win here the first weekend in May, but you know, this team couldn't afford to go in here and come home 12 games out of first place. But Kate, Keith, it, isn't that a little bit overrated with the three wild card slots? Maybe. I mean, if, if you put the Yankees in some of the other divisions, and they're what, like three games out or something. It, it's, it just looks bad because the Rays are off to a phenomenal start. No one's talking about the Mets. I think the Mets would be a game behind the Yankees, you know, if the Yankees, you put them in the same division. I think the Yankees' issues have helped the Mets a little bit, although they're, they're, they're starting to uh, catch – catch a little heat here uh, and so is buck unfortunately not to change the subject obviously yeah, but yeah. both teams are obviously not playing good baseball and it, you know what as yogis used to say it gets late early here and you know you don't want to panic in may but you don't win pennants in in april and may but you can lose them and yeah, yeah no doubt they both these teams got to be the careful come back to haunt you late on yeah sure and your boy hicks is over four again yesterday i just want to point I, out you know Jack is going to say, I would still stick with Aaron Hicks. I'm not saying playing full time. Don't misunderstand me. Get him Give the rest the spot. <laughs> he can have some big games. You know, he was hitting the ball hard uh, about a week ago, but it was at people. So, I, who else are you going to put out there? Some of the names. I mean, you have no alternatives right now. I, I, I think, I, listen, listen, I think the Yankees got to start bringing up their. their you know something, Matt, you and especially, you and especially Keith Engel are getting what you deserve with the Yankees. You want to know why? Because I kept saying, hold on to Gaudy, hold on to Gaudy. Oh, especially God. wanted to put Gaudy out the pasture. He did. And look what's going on. Matthew had Gaudy then. Maybe appreciate him a little more. Gardner again. Jack, Jack. Gardner is done. It's all done. Oh, yeah, because he was off a year last year. He could have played last year, maybe been back this year. I mean, who knows? He graduated a year behind me in high school, for crying out loud. (laughs) But he's better than Aaron Hicks. Well, yeah, Jack. I will say he could probably pick up a bat today and be better than Hicks without any. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. There's no doubt about it. I think oh, I, could, I think any one of us could be better than Hicks right now. But that's not setting the bar very high. So. It's not. It's not. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about your Patriots, Keith. Um, you know they get the former tight end Mike Ga- Gasick, uh, uh-huh. and they're pretty impressed with him right now over there. You guys need the tight end in that offense. They need it. To, well, it's an important. And then Bill, Bill O'Brien's offense is going to be similar to what they've run in the past, where they the tight ends were very important when they had uh, when he was here before they had Gronkowski, and I think they might have even still had uh, uh, the nut job uh, Hernandez here at that point. But um, um, the tight listen, he, they need red zone targets, and they don't have any. He's a good uh, uh, option for that, and I think he's going to be very important to this offense for sure. And I think. Uh, Mac Jones will come to appreciate his uh, play very quickly in the in uh, workouts and training camp. Keith, I like to talk to Mac and myself about a bar. What's a successful season? Has the standards dipped significantly for New England? Uh, let's say the Patriots go ten and seven and get in the playoffs and lose the first playoff game. I get the feeling that's a success now. Uh, yeah, for one given year for next season. Well, given this, that is successful golf to what we've done here the last three seasons. So, you know, 
if you want to measure it just against that, then yeah, that's a successful successful season. If you want to measure it against the last twenty three years, then no. Well, no one's measuring twenty three. It's in New England Patriots as I'm they sorry. stand out ten and seven first round loss. I think yeah. you know. It's I don't see that. As, I don't see it as a successful season. You know? I didn't. I didn't see two years ago as a successful season when they got to the playoffs and got wiped out by Buffalo. No, I didn't see that successful at all. But the yeah. bar was higher then. Well, yeah, and I, you know what? I'm probably spoiled, right? I mean, I was just I get, it's just I like get the Yankee it. fans. It's just like I the Yankee fans. Yeah, it's it. exactly like that. I get it, you know, and I, I forget that the first, you know, 20 years I was a Patriot fan, or 25 years, whatever it was. I can't remember how old I am, but um, they were awful. You know, except for a handful of years, they were really bad. So I got to remember that. And I said this to my friends and the people who would, you know, get on us. I said, someday we're going to be just like everybody else and we'll have to deal with that. And now we're just like everybody else. And it's now you're not as good as everyone else in the Yale. In well, the, uh, East. No, well, I bet as far as not, you know, not being going to win Super Bowls and contend for Super Bowls every single year for 20 years. Nobody's ever going to do that again, probably. You know, uh, you know, I, 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 the more we talk, the more I see the similarities be, between the Yankees and the Patriots, two great dynasties for a long time, had some bad years before, and, you know, now we're not playing well either. So there I mean, are there a lot of parallels. There really are. Um, your, your first uh, draft pick, uh, a rookie was signed. Uh, a Kayshawn battle, Keith wide receiver. Um, they're expecting him to be the, 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 the rookie that comes in right away and starts playing. I think he will. I think he, they want him to. Yes. And he's got a high ceiling, low risk. Cause they only picked him. I think, in, I want to say in the, I can't remember how that they're six around, whatever. Um, and they got a couple of wide receivers in those spots. He played really well is uh, two years ago, LSU. Um, had some problems with Brian Kelly and his staff last year. Didn't play nearly as well. Maybe he might need a little attitude adjustment. I'm sure he'll get that as he gets into into uh, Patriots and indoctrination. But uh, the kids got a lot of upside, and the Patriots are are need that right. They need this kid. They need Thornton to step up in his second year, which I think they're very hopeful that will happen. And he showed flashes last year that he could be a good player too. So. Um, I like uh, Boti. I'm not even sure how to say his name yet. I haven't even figured it out. So I just have done it phonetically. I'm sure I'm wrong. Um, but he's a nice addition to this team. And Mac Jones needs those guys, some of these guys to step up. Yeah, Mac Jones or Zappy, either one, whoever starts, Keith. Remember that. So, yeah. oh, gosh. Zappy <laughs> with you and, and the clipboard carrier with Jack. I mean, well, we want to support Brian, you. Yeah. Yeah, we want to support the Patriots at all costs. <laughs> anything else? Anything else that you can think of with the Patriots? I, I, you know, I don't follow them as close as you do, Keith. Um, no, I mean, again, they had a good draft. There's, it's funny how a lot of people are down on their draft, and I'm not because I think they they had 12 picks, which is the most they've had in I can remember maybe 20 years. Um, and I think they got a lot of quality, uh, uh, decent quality players. In a draft that didn't have a lot, a lot of really like outstandouts, let's say. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I think they did a good job of filling need um, on the offensive line, and and obviously they they got some people to compete in the kicking game as well. Nick Folk's going to get pushed by the kid they drafted from Maryland in the kicking game, and 
I think this is good. There's going to be a lot of competition on the offensive line, which I think is very good. And they've got a new offensive line coach, which they're very high on in Clem, uh, who came from Oregon, I believe. And Dante Scarnecchia had been pushing for the team to bring this this guy in for like three years. Dante Scarnecchia was the offensive line coach and served other positions as well for like 30 years with the Patriots. He's a legend in Foxborough. And he's been pushing for this guy for a long time. And I think he'll have a big influence in that offense as well. Uh Two more questions for you. Um, I think, and, you know, I've said this on the show before, I think the winning teams in the league right now are the younger teams, you know, the Pirates and the Diamondbacks and and even the Orioles to a point. Um, you know, this is, to me, is the wave of the future, the, the MLB. You get these guys before they turn stars. You sign them to long-term contracts. Um, and, and the excitement, uh, I mean, great on the payroll – and the Yankees and the Mets still fall into the, well, we're going to get these overpriced veterans that everybody knows, and, and we're going to build our team that way. And it just doesn't work anymore. Um, you know, I mean, I you, you you want the star quality there for for show, for fans uh, to go see these guys. But it's the difference between show and winning, Keith. And I think uh, the Yankees who have started should be bringing up more of their young guys uh, to fill, especially the outfield. Well, look at the Astros built their uh, team pretty much the same way that that team that's been contending for championships for eight. I don't even know how long it is now. It's at least eight years. Um, that's how they built that team. There wasn't a lot of big free agents brought in when they brought in a Bray. Well, Verlander, they traded for, I believe, or they get him in a free agent. I can't remember. But they were but they built the core of that team the way you talked about through the through their uh, system. And the Mets were starting to do that with Alonzo and Nemo and Conforto, who's gone, obviously. But then they've kind of gone the Yankee way here, you know, two $40 million pitchers. And if, that's a lot of payroll to wrap up in those two guys. I, I don't think you can do it. It depends on the uh, the organization, how good they are. I'm not sold on the Pirates. They've lost six in a row, don't forget. Yeah, by the, way. Yeah. the Orioles might be a different situation. This is now a year and a uh, uh, almost a year since they started to really start to get it together. Um, so they played consistent baseball for close to a year now. They aren't a flash in the pan. Of all these teams yeah. that are a surprise, I think they're the ones that have the most staying power probably. Them and the Rays. Rays are a surprise. But, you know, they're, you know, you didn't mention them. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah you know, no, Mac, Mac, you're talking about bringing up all the young players. You don't bring them up unless they're going to play. They're better off. Right playing in the minor leagues and getting to work and then sitting on the bench. And there's not many job openings for the Yankees. The Yankees are yeah. an established team trying to get to the in world. the outfield there is, Jack. judge your two slots. So you have one potential slot. And you have Cabrera. You could have him there, you know, playing. He's one of their young players. So there you go. He's gotten playing time there. And at third base, okay, you got Pedraza. But these guys have been brought up. Okay, that's the thing. Now, you make a good point with signing guys very early. The Yankees have no imagination. They should have signed Aaron Judge a few few years ago. They were smart. Sign Anthony Volpe to a 15-year contract right now to age 36. Give him very good money. 
Without but a doubt. No. Save a ton of money. I agree with you. On my, way, on my way out the door, I'm going to agree with you, Jack, but not opt, don't give them opt-outs because when their contract no opt-outs, no opt-outs. When that contract's obsolete in three years, I don't want to hear about it, right? I agree with you, though. Yeah. All right, Keith, have a good one and, and take care of yourself. Yeah, Keith. Oh, we'll talk more about this, Keith, next time. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. And, folks, we now have Robert Butler from SportsCope joining us. Um, hey. How are you doing today, Robert? Good morning, guys. Hey, good morning. It's good still morning. nighttime here in Nashville. Yeah. <laughs> uh, by the way, you got in. The, I want to congratulate you on your uh, latest award. I heard rumored you're going to get us the best dressed person on the Mac and Jack show. Oh, okay. Yeah, All right, yeah. I'll put it with my other awards there. <laughs> <laughs> well, Robert, uh, I I gave you a couple topics, and of course, you yeah. know, a lot, of, a lot of sports happen overnight, so. Um, it's hard to, to get you a lot of stuff sometimes. Um, but um, the head coach of the Bucks uh, fired championship winning coach, just like some of the other coaches that were championship winners uh, got uh, fired. Why in the world are you firing a coach who just took you to a championship not too long ago and, and the team plays well for him? Mac, Mac, just let me add in one thing to what you said. After they won the NBA championship, the next year they didn't, but he was coach of the year. Right. Uh, Bud Heiser. Right. How do you say his, uh, pronounce his name? Yeah, yeah. I, my, my guess is, guys, that they just – it's easier to move off of a coach than it is to move off of a player. It seems like the general managers get the benefit of the doubt when they miss on a player. Now, Budenholzer – uh, he was on the verge of being fired prior to winning that championship. It seemed like that team, there was talk of simply Milwaukee was underachieving, and then they, they win the championship, and then this year you're, you're the one seed, and then you get beat by an eight seed, even though we know that uh, Giannis was a little bit banged up. Uh, I mean, I, I can under uh, – of the other ones, like Nick Nurse, Frank Vogel, uh, I can understand – the reason for his fire over their fires. Yeah. If that makes any sense. But Nick Nurse, Toronto won, you know, the NBA championship, yeah. what, like three years ago or so. And it just. Uh, and they were I still guess. in the playoffs, yo. So. Yeah, they were still. I like Nick Nurse. They, they underachieved, but there has to be a little more of a reason than the coach. Right. Well, they lost Kawhi Leonard in free agency uh, the, the year after. And. Kevin you know, Lowry, yeah. yeah, yeah. A lot of people are saying, Robert, maybe they'll just exchange coaches. You know, maybe the Milwaukee go to Toronto, Toronto go to Milwaukee. Who knows? I mean, they're all winning right. coaches, and you know, they all they all got uh, good teams to go to. Um, Dexter Lawrence becomes the third highest paid defensive tackle in the NFL today. Uh, great run stopper can get pressure on the on the quarterback, but it's kind of alarming to watch these. Defensive linemen. Now, we're not talking about edge rushers now. We're talking about interior yeah. linemen getting these big contracts, Robert. Well, I mean, Chris Jones. I mean, you know, if you look at Chris Jones's play, uh, the defensive tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs. Man, you could have gave part of that uh, uh, Super Bowl MVP to him because some of the interior play. Uh, Jeffrey Simmons signed a big deal here in Nashville a few weeks ago. I, I think Aaron Donald, I mean, how valuable was he in the Super Bowl year uh, for the Rams? You know, getting pressure on top of the middle of the ball, I mean, God, I love for guys like Jim. You know, I mean, these guys 
over top of the ball, on the edge. Uh, more teams are putting emphasis into that position, those two positions, and you're seeing more successful Super Bowls out of that. I mean, you know, uh, there's there's linebackers that that are rated pretty low that have been on the last few championship teams. Linebackers, yeah. safeties, but interior defensive linemen, edge rushers, that's where you're seeing a big difference being made. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think it's a pretty good signing. And he was second in pro football focuses rating uh, only to uh, Chris Jones last year. So he, he played really well. Yeah, he did. He did have a great year. Yeah. Uh, NBA news, I guess I guess we could start off uh, with how dominating the Lakers uh, were over the Warriors. A lot of people picked yeah. the Warriors to win that. Uh, Davis, again, what a huge game. And, of course, LeBron does his thing. Um, can the Warriors come back and win that, you think? And, and, and Robert, do you think they can win Yeah, the Warriors are really good at making in-series adjustments. Uh, you could see putting Kevin Looney in the last series on uh, Sabonis. Uh, that made a big difference. Looney had 21 rebounds in that other series there. But the Warriors, I had the Lakers winning this thing in six. I'm kind of in the minority here. I'm not a Lakers mm -hmm. fan, but I just call balls and strikes. I thought that the Warriors would struggle with skilled bigs. And, again, they have struggled with Anthony Davis, who's much more skilled than a Sabonis. The key is, can Davis hold up? Can these minutes hold up? They got two more games to go. The Lakers guys are now, according to Odd Shark, they average all the all the markets together. They're second only to the Celtics to win the championship. I don't agree with that. I, I, I actually like Denver a little bit better, but um, I definitely think the Lakers are going to win it, but we'll see. I mean, uh, you never know what Steve Kerr is going to pull out of his hat there uh, as far as lineup is concerned for game, uh, game four. D'Angelo yeah. Russell stepped up yesterday. He gave the yeah. Lakers a big, big boost, throw the off the bench. I mean, it was like a well-balanced attack with the Lakers. They weren't relying on Anthony Davis to dominate or LeBron to dominate. LeBron's remarkable what he does on defense. I mean, he really gets back. He makes he made things hard on Golden State. It, you know, doing things that don't show up in the box score. Yeah, he does. And, you know, uh, Rob Palenka bringing in, bringing back Russell, uh, bringing in... Um, I, can't get, I just call him Raul. I mean, it's a black guy. He's got a Japanese name. You know what I'm talking about, Jack. Oh, uh, yeah. Hashimura? Yeah, yeah. Is that his last yeah, name? Yeah. <laughs> Might as well Ichiro Suzuki, you know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right. Just, well. uh, one thing, just in case. I'm not sure whether Mac was going to get to it. Uh, maybe he would lay it on. But it's linked to the Lakers indirectly. Bronny James LeBron's son committed to USC. Yes. So that's kind of interesting. Yes, it he is. He said it's the happiest day of his life. And you know something would be good for college and the pro game if, if Bronny just played four years at USC. Uh, uh, Dad's exactly. got plenty of money. Let me just ask you guys this. If I'm going off topic, Mac, reel me in here. Do you think Bronny feels an added pressure to go to the NBA a little earlier than he would? Because LeBron has stated over and over his dream is to play with Bronny. Let's say Bronny yeah. wants four years at USC. Money's not an issue. Because the James family is so ridiculously healthy, of course LeBron is always going to pass money down to his son. You know, so son, you assume is set for life, even if he doesn't make a penny. And Bronny's made a few million on his own as is. He already has one of these endorsement deals. 
But what kind of pressures the kid under to go to the NBA because of LeBron? You just wonder if they had that conversation where, you know, what if I really like staying here, Dad? And I, I like I got my friends. He may have a girlfriend or something. I, obviously, USC, LA Lakers. That's what LeBron seems like he wants to happen. Uh, you know, it would be interesting. I, I, it would be good for the league if he did it. You know, LeBron said, hey, look, I'm dead poor. I mean, even though he really wouldn't. Out of Akron, Ohio, he was driving a Hummer his senior year. But, son, you don't have to do that. We'll get him. It would be good for the league if he did. You know, it would really be good for the league. Maybe LeBron comes off the bench at 42, 43. <laughs> well, no, LeBron could play a few more years. Yeah. Uh, at yeah. some level. Yeah. He but might he play the Adonis, the Adonis Haslam role, Mac. Right, but, guys, right. Bronny doesn't have a choice where he goes. Could you imagine Bronny gets drafted by, let's say, the Toronto Raptors and LeBron packs up the family and they're leaving L.A. and they're relocating Ooh. in Toronto so he could play with Bronny? Bronny doesn't have a choice exactly, you know, when the time comes. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah, true. That's true. Very true. Um, I, You know, Booker, a lot of people, of course, talk about Durant. But what a game Booker has against Denver – 47 points. I mean, Durant does his thing. You know, Durant's going to be Durant and, and grab his rebounds and make his shots. But Booker, to me, is the real star on there. And he put it on. He and Phoenix, they they I should say put it on. They beat they beat Denver pretty pretty significantly, 121 to 14. I still think Denver wins the series, Robert. Yeah. But uh, but I mean, you know, Booker to me is 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 a star that a lot a lot of people talk about. He's a guy that he, he he's really came into his own. Uh, I remember Shaq telling Dwayne Wade uh, when they were down old two years ago in the Dallas series, listen, man, I've had my time. We're going to put this on you. And and if I'm Durant and, and Chris Paul, who's still out, I kind of figured that, but uh, I, I would, I would make Booker be the center point of that team. And when we're needed, we'll, we'll do our thing. Maybe lighten up on the rent because Booker it, it is the man right now. He's a very he's had a great playoff period, just not just that game. You know, yeah. it was his play that really got him off the mat against the Clippers before the Clippers fell apart. They were losing game two, if you guys remember. They were down what 10, 12 points in the second quarter, going to, about to go down 0-2 at home. Of course, they caught a break with Kawhi Leonard getting injured. Yeah. But 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 Rob Booker was the man all along when then they got the rant. So the yeah. whole idea getting Durant, not necessarily for him to be the man, that's going to push them over the top. So Durant's got to be a star. So you have two stars coexisting. They can make it work. But you kind of wonder, like what I mentioned to Mac the other day, is Booker trying to hold on to his position? Is there like a quiet competition in his own head that he has to show I'm the top guy here with the Suns it's not going to be Durant. Maybe he could share top billing with me, but he's not going to exceed me as, like, you know, the number one guy on the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. You wonder if Durant's taking that, you know? And if I'm Durant, I'm 34 years old. I'm, I'm a little long in the tooth. And this guy's, what, 26, 20? I mean, I would definitely let him take the more shots if it's me. And, and maybe I take this shot at the end, but yeah. – He's got younger legs, man. You know. Yeah, yeah that's very true. Uh, and the and the uh, last game I want to talk about yeah. in the playoffs is the Knicks 
Uh, we had Keith on. The Knicks looked like they just they had no drive at all uh, playing up against, uh, you know, the Miami Heat and Butler, who had a great game again. Uh, Randall, as Jack mentioned, is probably hurt more than we know. And the rest of the Knicks, if they're going to win uh, the next game, the rest of the Knicks team has got to pick it up and, and, and help Randall out for the Knicks to win this. Yeah, the bench is going to have to pick up. You know, I went back and looked at the records. Um, there's only three games difference between the Knicks and the regular season and the Miami Heat. So it's not like this – you feel like the Knicks are favorite. They had a home court advantage. But the truth of the matter is there are only three games difference. Probably Miami should have won that, that Atlanta uh, playing game. They would have been a seventh seed. But instead, they're an eighth seed. You know, so I'm not sure if Miami's just not the better team at this point. The Knicks are probably going to need another score in the offseason, somebody to play their uh, – uh, to kind of offset Randall. And, of course, Brunson can't do it all. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm starting to lean. Maybe maybe he just win this series, even with Butler playing with that bad ankle, guys. Now, Rob, is Jimmy Butler the most disrespected superstar in the NBA? Because when we talk about the top players in the NBA, his name never even comes up. We talk about Steph Curry. We talk about Embiid. We even, we talk about Giannis, of course. Talk a little about Anthony Davis, Jokic. We just talked about uh, Booker. Booker. Durant, but we always put Jimmy Butler behind those guys. Yeah, I think because people look at his uh, his competitive edge and say maybe he's got a bad attitude. Remember, he bounced around to Minnesota, then he goes to Miami. Maybe uh, some may look at him as a poor man's Russell Westbrook. There's something there with, with Jimmy Butler is why he's not getting that. Hey, maybe it's good, though. Maybe he's falling under the radar. That's probably why the Knicks are down 2-1 right now. <laughs> oh, Mac. I can't hear you, Mac. There you go. You hear me Okay. Now. I thought it was fine. I'm sorry. No, no. Once in a while, I hit that uh, mute button. I forget to turn it on. Jack's rubbing off on me. Um, <laughs> yeah, a big – a story in the NBA that, that I think – you know, I, me and Jack kind of disagree with Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks, yeah. of course, he's not going to be re-signed uh, by Memphis. Memphis has made it clear that they are not going to re-sign him. Uh, it was it was worded like this, and of course, this is their free agent. They're the yeah. ones, yeah, they're the ones that 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 have him. It's very rare for them not to sign your own free agent. But let me get let me get to the wording of this if I can. Uh, Let's see. Uh, says not interested in retaining uh, them and uh, not bringing them back. And they did this in a, a public forum, Robert. I have never yeah. seen that happen before. Um, do you think, you know, Jack doesn't think so, but I think this may hurt his chances to sign with another team uh, because they're all bad mouthing them in, in public. Yeah, you know, you just wonder if there's more to it. Now he does lead the he led the league in text last year, eighteen. Now Draymond Green had seventeen, so he, he's a little bit of a poor man's Draymond Green. Um, he wants to be more involved offensively. He he was averaging uh, eighteen points a game just two years ago. Now he's down to 14, being more used as a defensive guy. Somebody will pick up Dylan Brooks, but they'll probably have to do a little bit more homework there. I was talking with Carlos, uh, mad New Yorker, 
Chavez on my show and saying maybe uh, maybe the Knicks could use an 18 points a game average more because he works hard, he plays defense. I think it fit in hmm. with, 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 with the uh, Knicks type of culture. It's just food for thought. But, yeah, I think it did hurt him. Uh, but I don't think nobody's not going to sign him. I, yeah, so he'll I, definitely get signed, Mac. Yeah, yeah. Is, there's no chance of him not signing with the team. Yeah, there's no yeah. chance. Well, unless he has something in his background that's so bad that none yeah. of us know about, the teams don't want to touch. But yeah, I, I, I just I've never seen that. I, I've never seen that in basketball. Somebody coming out. And, and actually saying that in public, that's just weird. To me. All they said, he's not going to get signed under any circumstances, but sometimes the headline is very deceiving. They, as Someone may have asked the Memphis GM, for example, is there any circumstance that you can see that you'd sign Dylan Brooks on? Then the GM would say no, just like that. And then they, yeah. the title is under no circumstances. True. I mean, that's true. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. A little, a little uh, uh, Major League Baseball news I want to get your take on, uh, Robert. Okay. A fan taken out on a stretcher uh, after the after he was trying to lean over the side to catch a, a ball in the bullpen. So he falls during the Boston-Philly game. They take him out in a stretcher, um, which I'm surprised doesn't happen more, more than it does. It really doesn't yeah. happen as much as, as, much as you, you'd think. Now, Jack, you know, Jack has already called for uh, – the fans in the first row to wear seatbelts. You know, he's our safety monitor. So, Did you really? <laughs> no, he didn't. Well, listen. <laughs> Hardest. You guys laugh at me, but my argument is this with all these safety things, measures with the fans. Why, when someone gets hurt, do they then try to improve the situation as far as safety goes? I mean, why wait for anyone to get hurt? The NBA game yesterday, you saw LeBron jumping into the stands he hurtled over someone another player did you know the fans are kind of duck for cover as soon as someone gets badly hurt they're going to move the fans back there in the court or something or at least you know have certain people sign waivers if they sit there well i don't know if they don't yeah i don't know if they don't sign waivers jack you know maybe they do yeah i don't know I know, I know that's a hell of a story you could tell your family. Okay, laugh at me this, guys. But they have netting now at ballparks that extend to the outfield. Had I said that to you guys years ago, both of you would – well, you at least, Matt, would have laughed at me. Laughed yes. at me how ridiculous that is, having the nettings go to the outfield. But fans have been getting hurt, so now they I have still, I still think it's ridiculous, Jack. How's that? Get off your <laughs> get off get off your cell phones and watch the yeah. game, and you won't get hit with the baseball. Is Mac, you don't want the plastic uh, in the hockey games no more. No, do you? why? why? <laughs> you get hit in the mouth. You get in the mouth. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding about that one. Think no, fast, I, lady. Put that hot dog down. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just think. I think. I think if you're foolish enough to be on your cell phone during a game. And, yeah. and there's a chance you get hit with a baseball. Why are you on the cell phone? Watch the right. game. That's why you're there, right? Especially so, when they made these new rules, man. I, I, yeah. uh, they'll figure yeah. out something. Maybe uh, uh, you're at your own risk there. They can put a sign up. You know, like those trucks that got those, those dump trucks, you know. Uh, yeah, not responsible for flying objects. Yes, yes. <laughs> stay back 20 feet. Too close. <laughs> yeah, right. There you go. There you yeah. go. Um, 
in baseball also, Robert, it, yeah. it came out uh, that the Major League Baseball denied a request by the Phillies to let Bryce, Bryce Harper, who finally got a home run, you know, hit opposite home run the opposite field yesterday, um, not wear a brace while he was getting on base, you know, to change into his brace, talking about time concerns. And, and Jack mentioned maybe injury. But the guy is hurt. He's came back way too early, and he needs that brace to kind of hold him steady when he's running. And I don't see why Manfred, Manfred, whatever his name is, Manfred, man. Manfred, Manfred. Yeah, the, the, the commissioner. I don't see why he made such a big deal and decided to uh, deny the request. I, I wonder if that is one of those deals where it could be an injury to a second baseman or something. Is that is that the whole school? Okay. That's what yeah. Jack was saying. Yeah, that's what Jack yeah. was saying. And but football, yeah. you can have those clubs, guys, and Nick's knock people around if you got a bad hand. Right. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, you could have to pray some, but could you imagine Harper going in to break up a double play? Like Rap saying the second baseman is short up, knows he has on this brace that he could hit you with mm. and potentially he's hurt you. You know, they might be a little gun shy in that. He's case. gonna slide. He's not gonna go in head first with a brace on. And he's gonna slide feet first, like like man. they all do. I mean, he's not gonna George do Carlin had it right, man. Baseball, football. Yeah, the, the baseball the... rains. We go home, you know, we <laughs> delay the game in football and can't even see the jersey numbers. The, the struggle continues. <laughs> that's right. I remember that skit. I remember Different that. cultures. That's true. Very yeah, true. That that's part of it. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'm okay with that, bro. I mean, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's just something to be aware of if you're a second baseman. Yeah, he's got this brace on, it may be a little harder impact for a split second there. Maybe, maybe that's amazing. Yeah, anything else you got for us, Robert? Before we let well, you go, well, I tell you what, guys, I was looking at um, the 401k conservative uh, uh, Green Bay Packers, the nine they didn't pick up Jordan Love's contract, so they signed him to a one year deal. Saving, it looks like they saved about ten million dollars or something like that. Uh, pretty smooth move by by Green Bay, if yeah. you ask me. Uh, I like what they did. They this Musgrave guy, this tight end, they got in the second round. Uh, he was mentioned as one of the better tight ends in the draft, and they picked up a receiver from Michigan State. So he's got two years. Uh, uh, Roger Aaron Rodgers free to prove himself as a quarterback. I thought that was a really good deal. Plus, the team has put in, they they have put. I mean, we know Watson was coming out last year, breaking out, and now you've added that extra tight end. You've added another receiver. Maybe this next off season, they're going to get probably. I imagine, knock on wood, if you're a Jet fan, that they get that first round pick from the Jets there, and and the guy's going to get a clean slate, whether he can play or not. Well, that remains to be seen. I'm going to tell you, Rap, with them getting Jordan Love some offensive help, the type that they didn't really get Aaron Rodgers over his years, Aaron Rodgers might do something to get back at the Packers, which he never did for them, to first some of his salary to help the jet cap situation. I could see Rodgers, and I could see the Packers grumbling, well, he never did that with us, just as Rodgers is probably grumbling just a little bit, seeing, oh, okay, they Good they're doing that for Jordan. They never did it for me. But you're right. That was a savvy move by the Packers to sign Jordan Love. 13 and a half million guaranteed. 20, it could go up to 22 million. 
Yeah. It's win-win because let's Jordan Love hasn't made much money, you know, as a backup, maybe a few million a year. So he gets a nice payday, and they're not committed to Jordan Love beyond the season. They're all Jordan Love has a year-long audition to show them whether he's their quarterback of the future or not. And if he has a big year, they're gonna sign him to a long-term deal. You know what's interesting? Who is going to be on the market probably after this season, unless the Vikings win the Super Bowl, uh, Kirk Cousins. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see is there a market for him and not a veteran quarterback who's still pretty good but who hasn't won. Yeah, and you just wonder what somebody's going to offer a guy like that. And I'm showing the model of the Minnesota Vikings say, yeah, you know, Kurt, when we pay you this, we're 31st in defense. <laughs> if we yeah. could pay you about 15, you've already made over 100-plus million. Uh we pay you 15, we can give you defensive help, and we can draft some players around you. What do you want to do? Do you want to win, or you still want market money, or what your definition in air quote of market money is? Uh, I hated the fact that they drafted – I mean, Jordan Addison's a great player. But, man, yeah. when you're 31st in total defense, you've already got Justin Jefferson – you could draft some guys around Jefferson and still be productive offensively. Well, you know what it is? They got Brian Flores as their defensive yeah. coordinator. <laughs> I'm sure, no, no, I mean, he yeah. was successful at Miami. As yeah, all of Flores, yeah. Defense is his thing. So maybe he's looking at the personnel and he feels he's fine with what they have, that it's a coaching situation more than a player situation at Minnesota. You know what would be interesting? You know how uh... – you know, Brett Farr ended up going to Minnesota. They went to the championship, almost went to the Super Bowl with that team. Yeah. Yes. Can you imagine if Kirk Cousins ends up going to Green Bay? You know, yeah. if Jordan Jordan Love doesn't doesn't cut it, if he goes to Green Bay, the Packers almost go to Super Bowl. That would be uh, that would be very interesting. So, uh, you know, yeah, I don't know. Uh, a comment, Robert, on on the. Um, on the Dallas Cowboys, Jim Jeff going in here. Just a real quick comment. Uh, they said that they had a real – the analysts are saying they had a bad draft. They drafted a tight end that they really uh, didn't need. He's going to be backing up, and, and there was other tight ends available. Uh, they talk about not getting an edge rusher till later in the draft when they could have got a good edge rusher there. And uh, their first-round draft pick was a, a run season stopper instead yeah. of something more, more – uh, more, I don't know, a better draft pick, if you will. What do you think about that analyst? Uh, yeah, that? yeah. I didn't hear of any of those. Um, I've seen that tight end a few times. Now, Michigan guys, they they were undefeated during the regular season. Uh, for the most part, for the even if Jim was here, I'd say in the, for the, they actually draft pretty well. Now, yeah. they did miss on a defensive lineman from Michigan a few years ago. This guy named Taco Charlton. Remember him? And uh, so I, I didn't really hear any major buzz about that tackle from Michigan that they brought in, nor that tight end. But you got to give Dallas the benefit of the doubt because they have picked players uh, correctly to fit their system. And the fact that I did think they should add as much to that defense as possible, just yeah. lean on that defense. Yeah, and, and that's what McCarthy said. We're going to run the ball and play field position for football. We don't want Dak throwing over uh, 30 times anyways. We don't want to be – and I agree with him there. So uh, there's a ch – you know, if, if Philadelphia didn't have such a home run, I would consider picking Dallas to win that division. We're, 
I mean, it's a very close division anyways, guys. So yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I'm yeah. on the wait and see approach. I didn't give anybody a terrible grade in the draft. I mean, I didn't like that Minnesota first round pick. And I think I like Jordan Addison. I mean, he's I like, he's a great player, but they don't, I, I think they need more to defense, but yeah, he'll still be a good player, but they're still going to be giving up a lot of, I know Flores is good, but you need more personnel. Yeah, but, but that's the old philosophy. You pick according to need and you pick the best play available. Yeah. But how, well, most need that, that most fits your scheme. I think is part of that saying too, uh, they had some – there's some tackles out there at that point. There was some defensive players out there that, that weren't uh, a big fall-off, you know. Joy Porter was picked by the by the uh, Steelers guys in the first round. He was supposed to be in round the top 15 going to around the Patriots. Yeah. He ended up going 30, uh, 32nd, which is – remember Miami lost their first-round pick to the uh, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, who knocked it out of the park, in my opinion, in, in the draft. No doubt. Well, Robert, thank you for coming yeah. in as you do every Sunday. We enjoy right. having you. That Sports Scope, the host Robert Butler, seen everywhere, uh, all the time on all uh, sites. So just look up Sports Scope, and you'll find Robert Butler. Help him out uh, and and keep his show going strong. Thank you for being again, Robert. We'll see you next Sunday. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. It's the original three here. <laughs> yes, yeah, it is. It is. It is. Yeah, it's like old times three years ago. Yes, yes, exactly. exactly. <laughs> See you guys. Take care. So there you go. The best dressed uh, guest we have coming into the Mac and Jack Sports Show. As you see, Jack is jump, dressed like a lumberjack right now, and I got my uh, New York Giant shirt on. So, but that's what it is. We'll be right back after the, this promotional break, folks. If you like the sweet science, get ready to talk boxing on the Gloved Fist podcast with top boxing writers Frank Letirzo and Jack Hirsch. Frank, a former amateur boxer out of Philadelphia, writes for NY Fights and can be seen on the Boxing Channel. Jack, an amateur boxer who competed in the New York Golden Gloves, was a six-term president of the Boxing Writers Association. And now, here's Frank Letirzo and Jack Hirsch. He was a giant. And he was a cowboy. Now these two former rivals have joined forces to bring you the most insightful, perceptive, and controversial sports talk podcast in America. Former Dallas Cowboys defensive end Jim Jeffcoat locks horns with former New York Giants wide receiver Byron Williams. And now, here's Byron Williams and Jim Jeffcoat. It just might be the greatest sports franchise in the history of sports. A place where legends are made and there's always something to talk about. Get ready to immerse yourself in pinstripes. Start spreading the news, hosted by Paul Semendinger and E.J. Fagan. A couple of doctors with a prescription for Yankee fever. And now, here's Dr. Paul Semendinger and Dr. E.J. Fagan. Get ready to start spreading the news. Right now, without LeBron, Lakers are, are struggling. Let me tell you about a team I hate. All right, I know the Dallas Cowboys fan is here, so I had to make sure he knew how much I hate. Oh, I'm ready. I've often said that the people who run baseball they try very hard to ruin it. I'm from Brooklyn. I don't have a problem saying it to his face. Oh, Brooklyn! Hey, isn't he?
This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Mac and Jack Sports Show. Uh, as you see up there, Robert Butler uh, was just with us, uh, giving us his biggest news stories. We had Keith Angle in earlier uh, with his um, Pats, Knicks, Yankees uh, update, and Jack looks like he's itching to say something. What do you got, Jack? I got to get Robert Butler's name off there, but it was gotten off, Mac. You yes, know? yes, I mean, it was. I mean, that always great at this show. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Jack, let's let's get to a couple things that you cover uh, before we get back to, to the other sports we're covering. Boxing, a big fight. Canelo beats Ryder. Unanimous Unanimous decision. Um, Ryder was saying he, he didn't want to look past Canelo, and uh, it looks like maybe he did. I don't know. What happened there? Ryder, I mean, Canelo said he didn't want to look past Ryder. Right, 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 right. right. But uh, in, when Canelo Alvarez fights, it's an event. I mean, it was thought to be a one-sided fight going in, and it was Canelo won a unanimous decision by a very wide margin. He knocked Ryder down a couple of times. One was called a slip. He batted him. He bloodied him. Ryder showed phenomenal courage in going the distance. Canelo badly wanted to stop it. Couldn't quite get it. But he beat Ryder up pretty, pretty well. The fight was in Mexico. And what these pay-per-view events have been marketed as, not fights, it's like a happening. When Canelo fights, People are saying, oh, Canelo's fighting, so they get the pay-per-view event. They don't always look at the particular fights being made. You know, it's boxing personalities, big names that attract people. And it, was, it wasn't the strongest pay-per-view event, you know, to have. But, you know, if people want to get it for an evening of entertainment, by all means. Uh, after the fight, Canelo called out Dimitri Bival, the fighter who beat him last time at at the light heavyweight divisions, you know, 175 pound limit. And he wants to fight Bival, you know, have a rematch, straighten things out. And Canelo wants to fight Bival, he says, at 175 pounds. He doesn't want any excuses that he wants to make Bival get weight drained. And I don't believe that for a moment that Canelo is going to hold to that. But Conversely, Bival, strangely enough, says he wants to box Canelo at 168 pounds, go down on weight. But we'll talk about that on Glove Fist tomorrow night with my co-host, Frank Laterzo, because we just saw uh, Pags come in right now, the Philly sports guy. How you doing, Pags? Good morning, guys. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad at all. So, uh, Pags, are you on, in route to somewhere, or what's going on? Uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm actually out and about doing my thing. You know, like I was, uh, I've had a number of different events that I've had this weekend. So, cool, cool. This is a busy weekend for me. I'm glad you could make it on. Uh, Pags, let's start with the 76ers and their loss. Um, James Harden had a terrible game. He went like three for 14 shooting, uh, five uh, turnovers, some terrible passes. Um, is, is it just past his time, or do you think, uh, you know, the defense of the Celtics just got to him? 
Uh, I think that I think Joel Embiid creates a mismatch for the Sixers against the Celtics. And that sounds so ridiculous to say, but it's when they were playing without Embiid, they went small a lot of the way, a lot of the time. And it's funny to say that you went small with B-Ball Paul on there, you know what I mean, when Paul Reed's out there. But truth of the matter was is that they were able to contest the threes and Harden was able to take most of the shots and he was starting to hit them. So, like, he, he started off a touch cold in game one but got hot. In game three, they, you know, everything went through MB. Everything. So the fact that, yeah, Harden even tried, didn't even try to really get hot. Yeah, and it just it made it made it worse. I think. I I think that they really have to start to get creative on how they're going to start attacking the Celtics uh, at the three point line. Yeah, so that they can actually one contest the shots, and two, I think that Harden's got to start putting it up more. Same thing with Maxi. Maxi's got to start putting it up more. Yeah, I think that I think Harden that game one way scored forty five points. I don't want to say it was a bit of an aberration because he's done it throughout his career, but these older players past their peak for a given game they can do it. We see Kobe Bryant do it when he wasn't the same player he was before. And that this doesn't mean that Harden doesn't have another big game left in him if needed. But on a consistent basis, Harden's, you know, not the player he was. And the Sixers are really going to have a big decision to make because to sign Harden for more than two years going forward, it, it, they're going to have some predicament in the offseason. I, I don't mean to discourage your packs. I just don't see the Sixers coming back in this series and actually winning it. I, I mean, I just don't see it happening. Uh, it's definitely going to be an uphill fight. You know, I, I, I firmly believe that. You know what I mean? I don't think that, you know, I, I've said all along that I felt that the Celtics bench and their depth uh, was what is going to get them to the finals. Yeah. And that the Sixers got to find answers for that, which means that they have to really, you know, they have to beat not only the Celtics defense, but, uh, you know, outscore their offense. And okay. the Celtics have enough players that know how to put the you know the ball in the basket. Well, Max and, and Tobias Harris have to step up big time. I mean, that's the key. Everyone talks about Embiid and Harden. I want to see Maxi and Harris play on an All Star level. That would be the Sixers' best chance. I feel of coming back because you know Embiid's going to be good the rest of the series. He should. Embiid's Embiid, one of the best in the game. Harden could maybe have a good game or two going forward, but. Maxie and then, uh, you know, and Harris really have to play at a high level. They're capable of doing it. That's the thing about it. But will they? Well, especially if Maxie wants to get one of these max contracts, he's got no choice but to have to do that. And that's and that's part of the issue here. It's like he's, you know, he's not stepped up. And this is the. the uh, I feel like these next couple of games is going to are, are really going to determine what Maxie's worth really is. Because it's one thing to be good against 
you know, lesser teams. But if you want to be a champion, and if we're trying to grow a champion here, you got to beat the best, and you got to see how that person goes up against the best. And at the moment, he's not – he's falling short. Yeah, yeah. Um, in Eagles news, uh, Pags, there's been an – I hate this, this, this – uh, the way they do this. There's been some anonymous, uh, anonymous executives that say the Eagles – taking Jalen Carton in the first pick was a big mistake. Not only the, you know, the car crash that killed uh, a couple people showing up uh, out of shape and, and maybe uh, he was a second round pick at best. What are your thoughts on that? Those people are whining that they didn't get him. That's what I, that's, uh, that's why they're anonymous. Because yeah. they're just trying to put chicks in the armor. There ain't no, he was the best guy in the draft. And yes, there was a situation that occurred. I mean, you got to think about it. It was his friend that died. It was a, it was a friend of his. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't just whatever. And, and you could say it was kids being kids. And an accident happened. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not, you know, I'm not poo-pooing past it at all. But. I mean, ultimately, I mean, he he got there. The Eagles, you don't think the Eagles did their due diligence? You don't think Micah Parsons was angry about the fact that the Eagles got him for a reason? Yeah. You know, it's like uh, I trust when great talent, like a uh, great talent like Micah Parsons is, is angry that the Eagles, his rival, got the best guy in the draft. That carries more weight than any anonymous source. You know, and Mac, I told you to stop doing anonymous sources. The Giants are not going to be better Mac, than the Eagles. Mac has his sources. That's uh, that I believe. Okay, yes, I'll, yes. I've been critical of Mac, but I know Mac has his sources. Yes, I do. Um, you know, yeah. I think I think he showed up overweight because he was depressed about what happened. I mean, I wouldn't want to go out and and and, and train like crazy if if my friend just died in a car accident. So I understand that. And, Pags, I think the Eagles can make a mistake. Even if they did make a mistake, they got a team that will cover it up, and they'll work with the kid and get him back to where he was before. So I got no problems with uh, with the, the pick the Eagles made. Um, Alvin, so I've got a question for you. As we, as we talk about the Eagles right now, I, do you think Fletcher Cox is a Hall of Famer? He's close. He's close. But there yeah, are a lot of here. there are a lot of lot of players that should be in the Hall of Fame that are not. Uh Jim Jeffcoat, one of our guys that are on with us, deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. There's he was he was even nominated one time. He should be in the Hall of Fame. Too tall Jones should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh Bart Oates for the Giants should be in the Hall of Fame. There's a lot of people, and I think. I think it's a popularity contest. I think that certain teams uh, get uh, get the uh, nod that other teams don't get uh, when it comes to the Hall of Fame. I mean, everybody loves the Steelers. They got a lot of Hall of Fame players in there. And you look at the Cowboys, who are just as successful, played the Steelers unbelievable. Don't have it, you know. Don't have as many in there uh, as the Steelers do for that time period, anyway when they were both going in the Super Bowl. Um, 
Dallas was almost as good as Pittsburgh, but yet all those Steelers are in and hardly any of the Cowboys from that, from them matchups are in. So it's, yeah. it's, it's good. So I, I think, no, no. go ahead. I'm sorry, Mac. I was, I, I want, didn't want to remember Pax's own words that he's used. A Fletcher Cox belongs in if it's the hall of the very good. He absolutely belongs in. Does, is he a true hall of famer the way we look at it? Nah. Yeah. But the way things are set up and seeing some of the other players that get in, if it's the hall of the very good, the way the hall of fames are these days, I have no problem with Fletcher Cox getting in. Great, but he's great, not in the portal. Great defensive player, great player for the Eagles. No doubt. Eagles Hall of Fame, easy if there is one. Easily he's in there. No problem at all. Um, the reason why I even bothered asking that is because, I mean, they've obviously, he's on another one-year contract. You know, I, I likely believe he will be on another one-year contract after this year as well. I think that these are one-to-one to one year from here on out. And I, you know, if you believe that he's a Hall of Famer, and I believe that the Eagles think and they believe that he is a Hall of Famer. Now you feel like you've got a Hall of Famer training your two number one draft picks over you know over the next couple of years, and that ultimately greatness is able to train other people to become great as well. No, and no. I feel like that that's the reason why that they have him here, and that's the reason why they chose these picks. And that these guys could be around each other for a really long time. That I would suspect that it's going to be a Georgia middle of the line, Georgia Bulldog middle of the line for years. Like, I think the Eagles are going to have these two guys for years, not just a couple. Yeah. Well, as you know, the former Eagle GM Joe Douglas tried to get Fletcher Cox to come to the Jets for this season. Okay. And Fletcher Cox seriously considered it before deciding, you know, Philadelphia is where he wants to be. You make a great point with Jalen Carter. If Fletcher Cox turns out to be a great mentor, a great teacher, as someone who Jalen Carter looks up to, that could actually extend Fletcher Cox's career as an eagle to keep him around. As long as he's somewhat effective on the field, which you have to assume he'll continue to be. At least a couple of more years. Uh, so that's a good point. How much of a mentor, you know, in the locker room, taking him under his wings, seeing Jalen Carter does the right thing going forward. Yeah. And, and, I agree. And, yeah. Well, what I was going to say is, what I was going to say, Pags, is with that new defensive coordinator, I know you, they brought over uh, the Patriots, Patriots' former coach to be an advisor. But with that new defensive coordinator, Chris, yeah. you're, yeah. you're going to need you're going to need players like. Uh, uh, Fletcher Cox on the field to help coach these young kids too, not just be mentors, but to show them the ropes on the field. So uh, I think Fletcher Cox will be there for at least another couple of years. Well, yeah, I don't know about a couple, but I think he's it's definitely one to one to one. I think from here on out, so I think he'll go for another one year deal after this, as long as he has a really good season. Uh, I suspect that he will have a really good season as long as they are able to rotate them in and out like he did last year. You know, Dominic Sue actually took a lot of pressure off of Cox 
yesterday, uh, last year, uh, by able to go in there and, and do that. And even Joseph, who didn't play very much and, and wasn't very good uh, out of here, uh, actually took pressure off of Fletcher Cox. So he went from playing 65, 70% of the snaps down to 35, 40% of the snaps and became much more effective. Sure. And I feel like that that's part of what's going on this year as well. I think that you're going to see Fletcher Cox play about 40% of the snaps, and he'll be a lot more effective. And by doing that, it's going to prolong his career for at least another year or so. I'm a little surprised he's back, and I'm going to tell you why. Because not that long ago, he was a disgruntled player, and yeah. coaches don't like that. You know, when a guy's complaining a lot, you know, and a veteran like him, they feel it could wear off on other players, and supposedly they straighten things out. Well, and now, and now that coach, I mean, I I can't wait for a few years from now when Gannon is fired from Arizona because I think Arizona is a, the next mess of a franchise that's going to show up. Yeah. Um, I, I can't wait to hear. What all went down? That there was this, there was that that they had to give up a third round pick. Mm. You know, yeah, uh, there's there was some stuff that went that happened. That's right now behind the scenes. I'd love to be the fly on the wall that tell you somebody was saying, you know, that everything was going on with <coughs> to be able to tell this properly. Yeah, because that's going to be a story. That's absolutely going to be a story, and that story. That story may go all the way to the Super Bowl. Hmm. That's possible. That's possible, Pags. A little bit Phillies news. <clears throat> of course, we already talked about uh, Harper and his in his in his uh, brace with you. He did get his first home run, opposite field home run. Um, I don't know if you were at that game or not, Pags. Um, I was see- not actually. I was doing the inaugural game of uh, oh. the Major League Cornhole. Yes, bags back to this cornhole. Uh, bags that a fan fell out of the uh, of the this this you know to the yesterday, the, yeah, yeah, and they took him out on a stretcher. And uh, as I told Robert, Jack, of course, wants everybody in the front row to wear seatbelts now, uh, so that they don't fall out of this the the, uh, the front row. Um, but you know, I am surprised that this doesn't happen more, bags. I really am. I feel bad for the guy. Um, you know, he wants to get his little, uh, you know, his moment, his little uh, prize of getting the baseball. And, you know, if you're talking top row, uh, which, you know, they're very steep in Major League Baseball, you know, one of those shots get up there and one fan uh, reaches over. I mean, he could die going falling down, you know, all the way down to the front first row. So uh, it's standing room only up there. And. Now, now is what's going to happen. What what this is going to cause is this is they're going to raise that bar some now. They're going to force that up higher so that you're not going to be able to get baseballs and such like that. It's just uh, it's unfortunate what it happened. You know, I I love to have seen how he did it. You know, like oh, was he reaching over so much that he fell over and stuff like that, and he fell on his back. I mean, it, it was. The whole situation was a little ridiculous, and the truth of the matter is, is that you know it's like it's never happened before because it's standing room only. It's not like you're sitting up on a chair and you're reaching over like this and you lose all your momentum. It's like 
mean, that I, 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 to be honest, I think that they took him out on a stretcher more for safety reasons, right? Because the kid looked okay. Yeah. Yeah, but it looked like he didn't want to be in the stretcher. Yeah, yeah. But, okay. yeah. So, but I don't know. I mean, it's just like it. It was ridiculous, and and you know, it, unfortunately, he ruined it for everybody else now. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that, that's what happens. But I, like I said, I know in Yankee Stadium, uh, you know, the, the the one I went to, very steep, and and there are fall balls that make it up there. And Jack does have a point where you know somebody reaches over. That's a long fall, and, and you're yeah. falling people, and and who knows what can happen. So yeah, yeah it, it's only about a it's only about a twelve foot fall from where he fell. Okay. To the like, if he was falling into the Phillies bullpen, that had been a tremendous fall. Yeah. Guys, you know, you I know I'm paranoid about things like that, but when in March, when I went to the World Baseball Classic game in Miami between Venezuela and Israel. There were so many empty seats because it was a noon game on a Wednesday afternoon. But I asked for, you know, a, a, like an aisle seat. They put me in the front row of the like second, third level. It's a dome stadium there in Miami. But I remember looking down and it's like, wow, if you lose your balance, you fall all the way down there. You could get killed. And no, there was no one around me. So during the standing, the national anthem, I took a couple of steps behind the plexiglass just in case I lose my balance and on the and let's say I think for the first time in my life you know I'm not going to fall over the thing and I'm like paranoid about where I'm sitting you know right you know how far down it is you get that on the elevator you know going upstairs to the games too it's uh it's a little scary and so make you sure you chew your food 21 times so that you do, that it's small enough so that you don't choke. I already do that. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Pegs, you know, we talked about, of course, you know, uh, Jack brought up the netting in, 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 in baseball and, you know, the balls, you know, not able to – the crowd not able to get a baseball anymore. And, and to me, uh, that's all about cell phones and not paying attention to the game. You know, get off your cell phone. Watch the game. That's why you're there. And if a foul ball comes your way, at least you'll be able to move out of the way if you don't want to try and catch it. So uh, that's 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 a big problem they have, too, in the stands. Um, you going to be able to stick with us to the end, Pags, or you got to go? Uh, I can stay with you a little longer. Okay, cool, cool. So we covered Philly news. We covered the, the Yankee news. We covered the Giant news. Not, no, we haven't covered the Giant news yet. I'm going to let you go. We're going to Giant news with Pags. I'll yeah, listen yeah, in. I won't Pags, say anything. You and Pags could talk New York Giant football. Pags is, Pags is interested. Pags is interested in the Giants. You know, he doesn't like to admit it, but he's well, interested. Maybe, in yeah. So you're inferring that Pags considers the Giants somewhat of a threat. So he's keeping an eye on them. Is that what you're saying? I think they keep an eye. On, I think I think I think they keep. I think they keep an eye on each other. They want to know what each other's doing. I mean, you know, they they've 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 you know they're playing against each other. The Pags, who who are you more? Well, this is a good question for Pags. Who are you more concerned of as a Philly guy? The Mets being a threat in the NL East to the Phillies in the long run, or the Giants to the uh, Eagles? What's the third option? The Knicks to the Sixers. <laughs> or the Knicks to the Sixers. Who's the biggest 
threat going forward in the next year, not right maybe in this moment, in the next year? If I had to rank the three of them, you know, as, as I'd probably say the Giants more than the Mets, more mm. than Knicks. I, uh, truth of the matter is, is that none of them really move my needle. I feel like the Eagles are so much better than the Giants right now. And that's not that's not that's not a, a really a reflection on the Giants. I think it's more a reflection on the Eagles. I I think that the Giants are actually have moved into the number 2 spot in the division. Hmm. <clears throat> I think that they have gone above Dallas, but they're still they're still a ways behind the Eagles right now. Yeah, I I agree with that. I would agree with that. Notice he's, saying, notice he's saying that when Jeff Code isn't here on the show this week. I don't think Pax would say it to Jeff Code's face. I absolutely would say it to Jeff Code, and you know, and the moment he starts to talk about it, I can tell him all the reasons why I believe it. There you go. There you go. So maybe next Sunday we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, so let's get to some Jets news. Uh, they kept Corey Davis rather than, you know, worrying about the salary cap space of $10.5 million. Now, the Jets have plenty of receivers now, Jack, and I know uh, Corey Davis is talented. Uh, what do you feel? Do you think they should have just uh, cut him and kept the 10 minutes? Uh, obviously, the coaching staff likes him a lot, and they don't want to move on from him. And because they added Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard, you know, Corey Davis conceivably could emerge as the number two receiver on the team behind Garrett Wilson. I mean, right. maybe that was their plan at the end of last season. And, you know, Robert Salah got a little testy about all the moves. When people have mentioned all the moves the Jets have done to accommodate Aaron Rodgers, he says, that's ridiculous. We got those guys because they're good players. But let's be honest about it. If Rodgers wasn't a Jet, Alan Lazard wouldn't be a Jet. You know, Randall Cobb wouldn't be a Jet. Not This is not to say they're not going to be a big help to him, but they've made moves to accommodate Aaron Rodgers. I kind of wonder, though, guys, they got Nathaniel Hackett as offensive coordinator, not knowing for sure that they could sign Aaron Rodgers. Was that a move to get Aaron Rodgers, or they really like Nathaniel Hackett as the offensive coordinator? Because, you know, when he was the head coach at Denver, Obviously, things didn't work out with Russell Wilson. Yeah, listen, I think I think Hackett has a history of being a good offensive coordinator, but there's no doubt they got Hackett to lure Rodgers over there. I don't know what Pax thinks, but that's that's the main reason. I kind of feel that they, you know, it, it made it easier, you know, for them to get him. Truth of the matter is, is that I mean, when you really think about this, is are the Jets? Really, a Super Bowl contending team? Uh, yes, yes, I think they are. And that this isn't the mid say they're going to go to the Super Bowl. But when you have guys like Sauce Gardner, who's arguably the best cornerback in the game right now after his rookie year, arguably Sauce Gardner, he goes out with Aaron. That's Rodgers. a long argument, by the way. It's a long you know, argument. You can make that. You can make that argument. Is what I'm saying. I'm not saying he is, but you can make the argument, okay? And no one's going to laugh at it because he is one of the top corners right now, okay? But he's he's he went out with Aaron Rodgers in the Nick game. They got a great relationship. 
He wants to pick Aaron Rodgers' brain how he could be a better cornerback, sit down, go over things. Aaron Rodgers has picked defenses apart throughout his career. He could be a big help to guys on the defensive side of the ball. No one ever talks about that element because he's been through it all, you know, a veteran like that. So much so that he did it with Green Bay all that often. It's a little different here in New York. This is a happy Aaron Rodgers. Mac pointed this out. Aaron Rodgers. So happy right now because he just got back out of Atawaska and he's. Aaron Rodgers, Mac described him with the Packers as the unhappiest guy in the NFL last season. Now he's like the happiest guy in the NFL. He's giddy. This is the second coming of Joe Namath, Pack. You know, Aaron Rodgers loves New York. He loves it. He's embracing it. I mean, everyone loves Aaron Rodgers here in New York. I mean, he's a savior. The Jet fans already love the guy. Let's let's fast forward here. They start off 0-3. They're not, it's not happening. Uh, anything is possible, so don't tell me that it's not happening. Not they start off 0-3. How happy do you think he's going to be? Let's let's, oh, let's let's talk about that for half a second. Yeah, they could play. They could absolutely start off this season. They could absolutely start off this season playing the Eagles, playing Buffalo, and playing. Uh, I don't know who they play in it, but like the number one seed in in the AFC North or whatever, Cincinnati, and they could wind up playing all those teams and feasibly start off zero and three. So it's not it's not ridiculous to think that. What do you think his mentality level is going to be if that's the case? It depends on how the offense is being run. If they're playing very well, they're putting up a lot of points and the defense breaks down, then you know he'll be frustrated that they're 0-3 and it's not going to look like they're not going to go to the Super Bowl at that point. But, you know, Green Bay, when he was with Green Bay, the one year they won the Super Bowl, they went on a big run at the end of the year. Even last year, they lost the last game of the season. They were out of it, and they went on a big run. They wouldn't be giving up. I think they would clamp down at that point to 0-3 and battle back harder. It would be the fan base that would have a certain unrest. And the only way... That turns around to be bad for Aaron Rodgers if he's playing poorly because then people are going to question, is he too old? Has his better, his better days behind him? But I think at that point, he's going to want to have something to prove. You know, he's come to the OTAs early. He's ready this year. He's working with his receivers. He's not taking any chances. He's re He needs this. He's revitalized. You know, really I think... Keep in mind, I just want to say one more thing. Tom Brady, the year they won the Super Bowl with the Buccaneers, they were struggling over the first 12 games. They were seven and five and struggling. It might, and people might have to understand, it takes a little while to put it together. You're correct. That's what I'm saying. That it's not out of the realm of possibility that he could start off 0-3. It's not out of the realm. That doesn't mean that they're going to they're going to end oh and seventeen, but it does mean that it could be you know that they are out of the gate and they have a losing record in the first half of the season. 
You know, I think I think the bigger question is what happens if they don't make the playoffs this year and they don't make the Super Bowl in the next few years? That's the bigger question. Is now is the Aaron Rodgers deal uh, a good deal or a bad deal? I, I think that's the bigger question. He should they should make the playoffs as a pl- pl- uh, wild card team this year. If they don't, then the fans are going to get a little upset. And if they don't make the Super Bowl in the next three years, then you may see Salah get fired. And, and you know, that's that's going to be the bigger question, Jack. Well, I, I you know what I think the biggest question is, and Pax can relate to this with the Philadelphia Eagles of last year. It's a long season. Teams can play great most of the season, but you kind of run out of gas and there's fatigue. That Eagle defense we saw in the Super Bowl, that's not the real Eagle defense, but they something about it, they hit a wall like a marathon, it hits a wall. And that's what happened to the Eagle defense at the end of the year. Even at the end of the regular season, they lost their little edge from being a dominant, great defensive team and and then the playoffs were a bit of an aberration because the Eagles really weren't tested. They had a giant team. They were so much better than they were. It was inevitable they were going to win that game. And then they played a 49er team that didn't have a quarterback. In reality, they weren't really tested. And then they played the Chiefs. That wasn't the same Eagle defense we saw most of the season. I think a certain fatigue set, and that's my fear with the Jets. They could have a great regular season. We've seen this with Aaron Rodgers and this pack of teams. And then they hit a certain wall in the playoffs after having such a great regular season. Well, we know the Jets could go 13-4 and four during the regular season and then come playoff time, you know, they run out of steam at that point. And Aaron Rodgers runs out of steam at the end of the year. I don't know. I, don't know. That's, I guess that's possible. So Giants news, of course – all the teams have started the rookie camps. You know, I was going to ask Jeff Cote about this. But you have like 73 players that go to these camps. You have the, you know, the, the draft picks that have signed. You've Not got Saquon the, Barkley, Mac. Your, your man didn't right? show up. Well, he's, he doesn't have to come to voluntary workouts. But anyway, especially, especially with a rookie camp, Jack, he's not going to be at the rookie camp. But anyway, um, you have – you know the the veterans that have that that are looking to get signed, the rookies uh, tryouts. You have everything going on here. The thing that's interesting to me is that it's like the combine because they're only in helmets and shirts, and that's all they're wearing. And how can you really pick up what you know? What are these players you're going to keep if they're not at least hitting a little bit? If they're not wearing shoulder pads, I I, I don't I don't know how they do it today. I really don't. Uh, I, I mean, obviously, it's the first week. They're trying to learn, teach these guys the playbook to see who gets it and stuff like that. It's not a matter of eating. We got, we have twelve weeks, thirteen weeks before we start football. You don't want these guys to start getting hurt now. This is not. This is not. This is not back. You know, football from the fifties and sixties. Well, you know, back when you back when you were middle aged, Mac. This was not. This is not that that time. You want to know something? Mac is old school. For example, you mentioned Fletcher Cox before, but you asked Mac, the greatest defensive player, greatest player period in Philadelphia Eagle history. He'll tell you Chuck Bednarik, old school. 
Now, that was a play, a hard-hitting. Even Jeff Coates said they should have pads on. Let me tell you something interesting. This is bad for you, Pax, and good for Mac with, you know, your respective teams. Saquon Barkley is in Arizona now working out with DeAndre Hopkins every day. And I don't understand the relationship, how they met. But DeAndre Hopkins kind of has an eye in Arizona. There's a good chance they're going to move him, and he might have some say in it. Could you imagine Saquon signs a deal with the Giants and DeAndre Hopkins? It's based partly on DeAndre Hopkins coming to the Giants. Because if he came to the Giants, DeAndre Hopkins, that could be a game changer for this season. Not this season, because they still got Daniel Jones throwing the ball. I'm not. Daniel Jones is a decent quarterback. I mean, I don't put him on the level of Jalen Hurts. Whatever you want, whatever you feel like telling yourself. I mean, I don't. I think that that's the problem. That that their problem really exists with Daniel Jones. I'm not but high on Daniel Jones, but he's good enough to win there. I think you guys, you guys kill me. You guys, kill I can think of ten receive ten quarterbacks that are better than him in the NFC. You guys kill me. You really do. Yeah, the, I guy, mean, the guy leads the Giants to the playoffs with no wide receivers, an offensive line that can't hold anybody off. Uh, he has to run. He has to throw the ball on the run most of the time. He's getting knocked around like a pinball, gets back up, and you guys just keep sounding on Daniel Jones. You wait to this year, Pags, when Daniel Jones lights up the Eagles for one game, and then we'll talk about it. When he absolutely lights up that secondary you got there. Oh, because he's done it so often? Because he's done it so frequently, right? Well, he hasn't had the opportunity with the team he's been on, Pags. Oh, oh, oh. All of a sudden now, he's going to have it. Yeah, he's got some receivers. He's got some. He's got a good. He's got. He's got. He's got some. Some speeded wide receiver now. He's got one of the best tight ends when healthy in the league. You watch. You watch. You watch how he plays this year. Here, I, I, I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you a premonition. With the first, uh, with the number thirteen or fourteen pick in the NFL oh. draft. Oh my God! The New York Giants select. Blah, 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 quarterback from you wherever. Know, you know how silly you sound right now. Do you have any okay. idea? I think they're kind of too committed to Daniel Jones. Unless Daniel Jones. They got, they, they're committed to him for two years. For two years, they're committed oh, for him. Okay, yep. okay. But I think the Giants, uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not the biggest Daniel Jones fan, I'll be honest. I don't think he's that good, but I think he's Good enough where they could win with him the right. All right, all right. And NFC East right now, put the quarterbacks in the, in the right order. Who, the, who? What order would you put the quarterbacks in? Jalen Hurts is the best. Now he passed right. that. Dak Prescott is on probation. This is a big year for him. I'll put him ahead of Daniel Jones oh right now. God. Give him the benefit. Of, I'll give Dak the benefit of the doubt, but I'm keeping a careful eye on Dak. I don't like. The year he had last year. So, all right, and then and then I would go Marcus Mariota. No, 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 no. As the no, number no. three quarterback. No, and then no, Daniel Jones no. is the fourth. No, well, um, the eagle back of Mariota is not ahead of Daniel Jones. Get out of here. Yeah, I think he is. Yeah, no, no, yeah he's no just way. a giant hater. Uh, he's been Sam a giant hater right now. 
Giant hater right now. Daniel Jones. I'm actually not. I think that the Giants would do better with Marcus Mariota as their quarterback than they would with Daniel Jones. You know, some guys have been given opportunities to start in the league, and they haven't held on to jobs. Marcus Mariota was with Tennessee for years. He didn't turn out to be their franchise quarterback. The Raiders gave him a chance. He didn't cut it there as a starter. So I don't want to hear about Marcus Mariota. Yeah, the, he the, just uh, hasn't lived up to expectations. Listen, it's simple to me. You got Jalen Hurts, number one, there's no doubt. Daniel yeah. Jones edges out Dak Prescott. Prescott's third. And then, <laughs> and then whoever. And then whoever. And then whoever quarterbacks for Washington, whoever the quarterback's going to be for Washington. No, Dak deserves the benefit of the doubt for his years of performance. Let I'll say this for Daniel Jones. He had a better year last year than Dak Prescott yeah. had. You could argue that. And he's going to be better. You want, but, uh, you know, on balance. But, but the expectations were much higher for Dak Prescott. So maybe we're and, being more critical. This of year, Jack, and I was talking about this year. And this year, Coming Jones up. has more weapons. The tight end. But, but, but the Cowboys got Brandon Cooks. That's Isn't fine. They can, they can, they can keep they it. They got Ronald Jones. They, they can, can have. They can have. As well. They can have. They can have. Giants will sign Barkley. Barkley's better than any Cowboy running back they got. Better Correct. than any, better than any Eagle running back, by the way, too. He's. Uh, they got Waller, who's going to be one of the better tight ends in the league. You've got. Uh, you've got wide receiver. You got depth at wide receiver. We've never no, had. hasn't hardly played the last couple. I understand of years, that. I understand so that. I understand that. I understand that. But when he's good, he's real good. It should work out. Everything falls into place. It could. Everything falls into place. Yeah, I agree. Right. But but you look at you look at the other conferences. You put Daniel Jones ahead of Justin Fields, for example. No, of course not. No. Justin Fields is a rising player. You could say at this moment, Daniel Jones is a little ahead of Justin Fields, but Justin Fields is a riser. Yeah, at this moment, at this moment, at this moment, I put Jones ahead of him. We'll see what happens. Jared Joff? Yes. You put him ahead of Joff? No. Yeah, yeah right. went to a Super Bowl at this already? Time, at this time, at this time, yeah. Kirk Cousins? Yes. No. He already you beat Kirk Cousins. Cousins, an established QB. He already, you were saying right now, Jack. He already he did, showed. He, did he already showed. He already, didn't, he just, didn't he just play the Vikings? And, and they, they, the Giants did win that playoff game, uh, but Kirk Cousins' regular season was stronger. Yeah, yeah, his regular season was definitely. Stronger. I put him ahead of Jordan Love, Daniel Jones, He's right fine. now, because yeah. Jordan Love, we have to see what he can do. Of course. Of course. You so could. You put him ahead. Go ahead. I would put him ahead of Brock Purdy as Sam Donald with the Niners right now. But Sam Donald might have a big year this year. He might finally come into his own, but it remains to be seen. I wouldn't put him ahead of Matthew Stafford I would. the Rams. I would. Stafford's old and hurt. Put him ahead of Stafford, the Super Bowl. At this time. At this time. At this time. If Stafford is healthy, he's... Obviously, I had a Daniel. That's so ridiculous. This is so ridiculous where you're putting him. You're just on, you're just, you know, on the Giants. Just on what the Giants. Giants. He sucks in comparison to all those quarterbacks. He sucks in comparison to all those quarterbacks. Listen, I'm stating facts, Pags. Who was that? Who was he? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Who the fact that the fact that you think that he's better? Who was the second? Who was the third leading quarterback rushing in the NFC last year? 
Okay, and, and, and then let's go with just total yards in general. Total yards, rushing every and passing. He, he ran him, if I'm not mistaken, I'm close. He passed for over 3,000 yards and ran for over 357 yards. Great. I mean, you're you're pointing to numbers. Why don't we look at what he's done for the four years he's been with you the Giants? You can't. We've that's an old argument. You can't. He's been there. No, it's not an old. Oh, argument. oh! All of a sudden, that's an old argument. He's, he was. Yeah, we can. We can only go by last year. And last year makes right. him so right. much right. better than most of the that quarterbacks in the NFC. That's so ridiculous. I. I Honestly, Pags, I think he's in the top 15 quarterbacks. Uh, could I tell you something? Let, why don't we focus a little? Okay. Why don't we focus one of the game playoff games against the Eagles the last game? He right. was completely shut down. No kidding. No kidding. No kidding. And so, so, so was a lot of teams that played the Eagles, Jack. The Eagles are the best. No, team but in the, in the playoffs, he did nothing Eagles, at all. Couldn't do a Eagles, thing with an elite the defense. Eagles, well, the Eagles had – Twice the team the Giants had. He he did well against, like you described, the thirty-first rated defense in the right, NFL. Right. The Vikings. But, but all he I'm saying, Jack, 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 what team? Now, now, winning loss is not a quarterback stat; it's a team stat. What team last year could have beat the Eagles in that play in that playoff game? What well, team? the Chiefs did quite well, you He's know. About the Chiefs Super Bowl. What team in the NFC could have beat the Eagles in that in, in that playoff game last year? What team? Nobody. Thank you. But I bet you that there would have been other teams that gave them better games. Again, possibly. other That's quarterbacks possibly. would That's have possible. maybe scuffed the Eagle defense up a bit. No, no, Daniel no. Jones didn't even roughly there is no, at all. There is no quarterback in the NFC last year, Jack, that could have stopped that Eagles. No offense that could have stopped that Eagles defense last year. There's nothing. I'm not I, I'm not I don't disagree, but what I'm saying, other quarterbacks would have, Could have been better than 38 to 7. Yeah, more team, competitive team, teams, teams, yes. Quarterback, but I, I do agree with you. This the wide receiver they drafted, if he's a real steal, and Saquon Barkley in the backfield, and if Wallace stays healthy, yeah, they've got pieces around them now. They well, short up the offensive listen, line a little bit. Yeah. So let's think about this a little differently. A little differently that Detroit. Actually made it into the playoffs mm -hmm. and wound up going up against no, no, I, they going up against the Vikings. The they were I, nine and eight. They, 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 they were nine and eight, and they didn't quite make the playoffs. No. But no, they missed it by one point because Seattle wound up winning. Right. Yeah, the right. Seattle wound up getting in. And so Seattle ultimately, substantially. So ultimately, I think that if Seattle didn't make it, and uh. Detroit made it in their spot that it's possible that Detroit would have given a much better game to the Eagles yeah. than the yeah, Giants I did. I, I agree with yeah. that, Pat. No doubt. No, I, I agree with that. Yeah, so, I, so that puts Jared Goff. Listen, you think I'm delusional. I don't think the Giants are anywhere close to the Super Bowl team right now. I don't. But I think that two, three years from now, they got a shot. They'll be competing for the Super Bowl. Yeah, well, we'll see how it plays out. You know what people don't look – people look at a whole season, but they don't break down the season and going forward for the next one. And what would be alarming to me about the Giants, they started 6-1 and one last year. Then they were 3-6-1. and one. Yeah. So if the 
if you take the Giants from the midway point where they were three, six, and one over the regular season after starting six and one, if that's an indication of the Giant team going forward, you might be looking at a, a yeah, and a you, seven, and you, ten, and you can add to that, and you could, Jack, you could add to that concern that that six and one record, they barely won those games. Most of those, yeah. So, how strong a team of the Giants, uh, Jack? I, mean, I, I, I think, know. I think, I think they got the coach, coaching staff in place. They're, they're going to be a very solid team this year. Whether, what I, you know, I don't know if they'll win a playoff game or not this year. Uh, I don't know, but they got a very solid coaching staff, uh, and 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 a very hardworking, aggressive team. They don't give up, and and that's one thing I love about the Giants. They never give up. I don't care what the score is. So anyway, let's get off the Giants for a little bit. Let's talk. Let's talk. Pags, did you pay attention? I know you were on yesterday. Did you pay attention to Kentucky Derby at all? Uh, a very, very little bit. I, I didn't get to see much uh, yeah. of what was going on. So they had they had this Ma J won the race, only his fourth time racing won the Kentucky Derby. Fourth okay. race ever. So that was pretty cool. And, and it was a close race from what I saw. Yeah, Marge came uh, on towards the end and uh, yeah, yeah, two fills, yeah. the horse leading most of the way, did well to finish in second. And, uh, yeah. yeah. The number 14 horse. You know, you I, had, I had the 7, 14, 21 originally because uh, I, I had, originally I had the 3, 10, 19. And both the 10 and the 19 were wound up uh, scratched. So had I mixed up a three and a fourteen, I probably would have had two of the three. But yeah, yeah. I mean, all the people that bet on it, it has a lot of fun. I guess if someone traveled to Kentucky and they stayed at a big hotel and their room number was six eighty four, they'll bet six eight four for a trifecta. I mean, that's how I think most people bet. I mean, you try to be a knowledgeable better, but it, it, it's so hard, you know. You you just hold. If you have fun money to put down and you take a long shot and who knows whether yeah. you could get lucky in that. I know I know you've been real busy. You probably haven't been following the NHL like you've been in the past, Pags. Uh, but anything anything that you heard that, that really uh, surprised you in the playoffs yesterday? Edmonton looks like a cup contender. Okay. That's that's the one thing that's a little bit surprising to me. I mean, I know they got Connor McDavid and such like that, but their goaltending is actually starting to, you know, step up to the plate here a little bit. Um, Carolina, I, I think it's going to be Carolina and Edmonton. Okay. Uh, in, in the cup, I think Toronto. Toronto is doing what Toronto does: stick up the joint. You know, they finally got past their first series, and now they're going to lose in the second I'll tell series. You the Florida Panthers up to nothing against the Maple Leafs. They should win that series. And I've been watching them. And even though they barely got in the playoffs this year and they weren't expected to beat the Bruins and they came back from a 3-1 deficit to do it. And even that seventh game to score a goal in the last minute, pulling their goalie, they were outstanding last year. And they have their nucleus back this year, even though they didn't have as good of a year. I get the feeling this is a team that's going to go on a run and get to the finals. I mean, something about them, they seem like to again, be... Again, they go as far as the goalie, and that goalie is amazing. He used to be a flyer. He should have still been a flyer. It was uh, Ed Snyder's last move as a, 
as owner getting rid of him. Bob Roski, if, if he was still a flyer, he would want, we would have wound up winning a couple of cups. That's hot a hot. Right as your franchise going. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets moved in the offseason. Wow. You know, and he was supposed to be the wave of the future, you know, for the I, I, I think this game is such is in such disarray that we are killing him as a goaltender. It's time for him to move on so that he could actually be the goaltender he needs to be, or he should be. You know, I think teams are scared sometimes, and this is any sport, to move on from a player because they're scared to see what he might do elsewhere. Well, I, I, I've seen Bobrovsky, who is, who is the goaltender for the, the Panthers, and he, you know, since we've gotten rid of him, he's only won, like, two Vesna trophies, and, you know, is just, you know, again, about to leave the Panthers, like I said, the Bobrovsky is the one guy who could beat the Hurricanes. I don't think that that team could beat the Hurricanes. Bobrovsky could beat the Hurricanes. And if he does, then I expect that the Panthers will win the You don't any way back for the New Jersey Devils down 2 nothing. I don't think so either. I, I wouldn't call, keep this in mind. The Devils were down two games to none against the Rangers, and no one was giving them much of a chance. And they The last game was what? Six nothing? They won games three and four on Ranger ice. Last game was six nothing, though, right? Yeah. Yeah, but this—that sometimes it, happens. Sometimes it's better it to lose that way. You'll that that means you. they're getting the goalie's head. They're getting the goalie's head. And Jack, the Rangers' coach has left. The oh yeah, Gallant got fired. Yeah, got. I love the way they say they mutually agree to part yeah. ways. I mean, what does that mean exactly? He would give you all the money. They have to give them his money, what he'd be owed anyway. But yeah, yeah. What do they mean mutually agree to part ways? I don't get it. Maybe that's a kind way of saying we're not firing you. A guy doesn't want to be fired because it, it, it looks bad on his record. You know, there's one guy in boxing who'll get a kick out of this, a publicist once. We had a meeting at the Boxing Writers Association of America, and before the meeting, he told me that they announced the organization. I won't name the, the the promotional group. He said they're putting out a statement that they're going to part ways with him so he could spend more time with his family. But he says, Jack, I got fired. That's the truth of the matter. So at the meeting of all the members of the Boxing Writers as president at the time, I said, we congratulate our colleague for moving on because he wants to spend more time with his family. And he was cracking up because we both knew he got fired. All right. All right, folks, that wraps it up for today's show. I want to thank Philly guy making his way in, even though he's traveling. Thanks, Pags. Thanks, thank Pags. you, Robert Butler. Thank you to Keith Angle coming in as they always do. Thank you for sharing the show with us. Uh, me and – go ahead, Jackie. You got something? Just one quick thing before we go off. You've been challenged to a, a debate over full show by a Mr. Frank Letterzo, the Philly fan against the Philly hater. That's his name. He wants to go one-on-one. -on -one. We want to have him on a Mac and Jack show with you. And he's the anti-Philly guy for one show. Fine. We'll bring it on a, on a Saturday or something. All right, there you go. All right, folks. We'll see you. We'll be back on Thursday. Mac and uh, Mac, Mac, Jack and Frank are on Glove Fist on Monday night. Have a great Sunday. Uh, go out there, go fishing, do something. It's beautiful out here.
Go out and have some fun. Get outside. Get away from the computer after you're done watching this. Have a great Sunday, folks. And me and Jack, we'll see you on Thursday.